Hey everyone, it's Sean from Triax Performance here. You probably know me as the funniest, most talented, and best looking of the Triax trio. Now, in this podcast episode, we are chatting all things mental health in the lead up to World Mental Health Day on the 10th of October. Now, there are a few sensitive topics that do get brought up, so please, before listening, do consider if it is appropriate to continue ahead listening for you. Uh, and if any, any of the topics do hit quite close to home, check out the show notes uh, for some resources that you can check out and uh, to help you out there. So I think the three of us uh, really enjoyed having this chat and we really hope that you do get something meaningful out of it. Enjoy. Well, on the back of the Are You OK Day initiative, Mental Health Week has rolled around. And mental health is something that we take very seriously at Triax and it's something that's pretty important and close to our hearts. And we'd like to dedicate this podcast episode to having a bit of an open discussion in the hope that people out there can do the same amongst their family and friends. So today, Sean's going to share with us some of his mental health battles throughout the past five to 10 years. And we're going to have a bit of open, open discussion about it and hopefully you know, spur on some people out there to do the same with their loved ones. So first of all, first of all, and uh, as we always do, welcome to you, Sean. Yeah, g'day, Rob. How, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. I'm good. It's uh, spring. It's, it's my time of year. The, uh, the weather's a bit finer and there's a lot more happening on and off the racetrack, which is good. And then, of course, we've got Damo as well in uh, a bit different surrounds there. Damo, you look like you're a lot more illuminated than what you usually are. So welcome to you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out of the Soviet conditions of my uh, bedroom and I'm uh, on on location at my girlfriend Haley's place. So uh, we might get a stray cat pop in. Casper um, might get a cameo here. But um, I'd just like to say thank you to Sean, firstly, for um, feeling comfortable to open up on, on the public forum here about mm. this. Um, obviously, he wasn't able to make the Are You OK day, but... Um, it's great that he's opened up and willing to talk um, ahead of Mental Health Week. So I think the floor is going to be mainly yours and we'll sit here and hopefully facilitate some good conversation for you, Shawnee. Yeah, thanks, mate. I appreciate those words, Damo. So I guess as um, sort of alluded to off the top, um, I have struggled with my uh, mental health and I want to be, I guess, open and honest um, in the hopes that it might start a conversation um, somewhere. Um, and I guess just go through sort of how I reached out um, and initially got a bit of help when I was, when I was struggling. So I guess um, for the purposes of uh, today, um, I don't really like putting a label on it, but I guess I have or have been diagnosed with a, uh, major depressive disorder, which sounds pretty grim, um, but it's what is more commonly known as uh, clinical depression. Um, so I guess it's, um, without getting into the, the nuts and bolts of it now, we'll sort of touch on that later, but I guess it's um, almost like feelings of like, prolonged sadness or worthlessness without much cause and effect so there's not much I guess usually what happens is people get upset about things because something's happened but um, mm. this is almost without reason I guess um, yeah I guess I, I want to I want to talk about it because I found that when I initially was struggling and wanted to open up that I was, I sort of gravitated towards people who had also spoken pretty openly about their own mental health struggles. So um, I guess my overall aim, um, I know we don't have thousands or millions of followers, but hopefully there might be someone listening that um, either that spurs a conversation with someone they are close with or even with, with me or one of us. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's because it is, such a hard thing to describe I think that when you do approach someone that's been through it it's a little bit easier to understand in a way um, yeah. so I guess that 
um, anytime you hear someone with a, with a story or gone through things that's similar to yours, it sort of makes you feel a little less overwhelmed, I guess. So, um, so yeah, I just hope that maybe someone can, can gain some benefit out of it. Cause I know I certainly gain benefit out of hearing other people talk about it. And, um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not an expert. I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I can't really provide, uh, many solutions necessarily, but, um, hopefully if I can just give some insight into what I've done before or um, how I reached out, maybe that can help someone else to, to do the same. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you, to get sort of the ball rolling for you there, Shawnee, um, how did it sort of start out for you or how did you sort of pick up that maybe something wasn't quite right um, for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's always, I guess, looking back, there's probably always been um, elements like going back to, high school where I know we're all pretty emotionally immature um in our teenage years but there were just some things like looking back there was just like maybe that was there was something more more to it and I, I haven't had a like a bad upbringing I was you know pretty had a pretty good um childhood and you know no significant trauma or anything like that um so I guess um for me looking back, I didn't recognize it at the time, but looking back, the um, tipping point, I think, was when my, when our family dog got uh, put down. Um, and that happened pretty, pretty suddenly. Um, and it, yeah, rocked me, rocked me and hit me for six. And it's probably, um, it's, it's strange to talk about sometimes, because I think that um there are people that and it's like it's not a slight on anyone but there are some people that just aren't animal people I guess and that don't understand I guess the impact that like a dog can have on on your life sometimes but um like I guess during that time like I just finished uni as well and you know had job interviews and didn't get anywhere and I was sort of um treading water for a bit I guess in a way that um you know, I felt a bit directionless at that time anyway. And then that sort of um, pushed things over the edge a bit, um, I think. And then, so obviously I was, you know, pretty upset um, when that did happen, but then it never really went away. So I was, yeah, just at the point where like I um, wasn't interacting with anyone socially and, I wanted to stay home all the time and just, just yeah, pretty down all the time and uh, ended up going overseas um, probably three months after, after that happened um, and was like sort of by myself for most of it and I was pretty, pretty miserable and pretty lonely, to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, once I got back um, from, went to America, once I got back about six, seven weeks later, um that's when I sort of thought um yeah something's probably not right here like it, it's hard to articulate what it was but it just it was just a general feeling that something felt off or it didn't feel like just didn't feel right so Sean was this trip was it was it like did you had you already planned to go on it or is this a like a not a last minute but was it something you thought you needed to do after this experience, no, how did the trip come up? It was something I'd been wanting to do, yeah, um, pretty much all of that year. Yeah. Um, but nothing was nothing was booked, yeah, prior to that. So everything was booked afterwards, just because I had it in my head that's what I wanted to do, and um, yeah. yeah, I was comfortable, like comfortable going, like scared going by yeah. myself because I'd never been overseas by myself or really anywhere by myself yeah. um but yeah i probably didn't realize until i was there that being by myself probably wasn't the best thing um oh. best thing for me and then it um and then i wasn't by myself the whole time i ended up doing like a one of those tour group things that you can jump on for for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and that was really good um had a really good time with that and then after that as well when i was by myself again um yeah felt Felt pretty average, and then yeah, as I said, once I got home, I was like, yeah, something, something's probably not right here. So, so. yeah, 
Interesting. So then when you did get home, I guess, what did you identify? What did you do to try and improve your situation? Um, I can't remember exactly when I did it, but I eventually started looking into like trying to book in for a psychologist and read that you can get um, get it rebated because it's pretty expensive. You can get Medicare rebates, um, but you've got to go to a GP first. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. Um, you asked for a mental health plan um, and sort of did that with the GP. Um, but I can't remember the exact circumstances around, but there was a bit of a bit of a fuck around with it and that I had to come back for a second appointment with the GP and end up being a different GP and it was just it was just a bit all over the place but anyway I got a referral for a uh, psychologist um, just one locally in Pakenham where I was living at the time um, called them and this was sorry just to backtrack this was mid 2019 uh, called them and then the waiting list was like two to three months. So I was oh, like, right. well, I need, I sort of, yeah, I got pretty, um, felt pretty disenchanted by the whole experience because yeah, from the GP yeah. to the psychologist and at the time, and we can sort of touch on this later, but at the time I didn't realise that the person you get referred to, you can't, like, you don't have to just see them. You can actually do your own research and, and book in and try and oh, find right. somewhere, try and find somewhere else. Um, so all you need, sorry, all you need is a referral because this might be interesting information for other people. So all you need is essentially a referral from a doctor and then you can go from wherever you need to go. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. Um, I guess later on. I that, that's, is, is that if you want to go through the, the Medicare rebate yeah. system? Yeah. 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 Okay. So you can, yeah. you can do it by yourself, but. Yeah. And, and pay for it all out of pocket, but it is, um, yeah. it is, yeah, very expensive. But um, what well, it's from from my knowledge, I, I know a few people that have gone through it. Is it is it five consultations you can claim on there per year before uh, you have to start paying out of pocket? They've increased it because of COVID. I think it's up to uh, twenty now. So it was okay. it was six. And then you go back to the GP for like a reassessment and then you can get another four. So it used to be, it used to be 10. When I first started, it was 10. Um, but now it's gone up to 20, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, That's good to know. But yeah, so um, yeah, I guess it was just, as I said, felt pretty disenchanted because I pretty nerve wracking to yeah. one, I guess uh, after fighting it off for a few months, mustering up the the sort of courage to go and uh, go to a GP and I guess speaking out loud for the first time the words that I'm probably not doing okay and then I just yeah felt a bit let down felt a bit let down by the whole experience I guess so um I just left it I didn't try and rebook or try and find a different psychology clinic or something like that to book in. I just left it and um, probably wasn't, I still felt not great and things didn't still didn't feel right, but I wasn't at the point where I was like, felt that immediate need to go and mm. change things. I didn't feel like, like I had to do it on the, on the spot. Um, but then, yeah, a few months after that, I started seeing Molly and she recognized it after a few months that something probably wasn't right. And yeah, we ended up speaking about it. And I guess she, um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, but she sort of put her foot down a bit and, oh. um, <laughs> and said that it's something that I need to go and sort out. Um, yeah. Like in a, in a nice way. So yeah, I guess if she, never did that and never sort of pushed me to go and do that I don't know sort of don't know where it'd be like yeah I owe a lot to her for that I guess because yeah she was really supportive she dropped like drove me to the 
for the doctors to go and get that mental health plan again and, and sort it out and um, made sure I called the psychologist and booked the appointment and always, you know, called me after my appointments and checked in and made sure I was getting on top of it. So, um, yeah, probably needed that little bit of encouragement. And I guess that's um, what I want to talk about later is like, I guess the importance of telling someone that you're not okay so that you've got that yeah. little bit of accountability in a way. That was going to be a question of mine actually just there, Sean, was was that was the doctor the first person that you actually said anything to? Had you, you spoken to family members or anything like that? Or is it legitimately just the doctor the first person you spoke yeah. to? Yeah, just the doctor. So I'm um, pretty, pretty closed off at the best of times. I internalise a lot of things and don't really like to let people in and um, let them know what I'm going through. So yeah, the, the doctor, which I mean, it didn't help. I, I don't, well, I didn't then have a regular GP. So it wasn't someone I yeah. had a rapport with or anything like that either. So no. um, looking back, that probably didn't help, but, um, but yeah, doctor was the first person I sort of um, let know that I uh, probably wasn't doing too well and needed a bit of help. So mate, you touched on a good point there is that a lot of blokes our age in particular, like when was the last time you went and saw a doctor regularly? So I, <laughs> like I saw, I saw one recently from yeah, a, a little bit of a, a yoga issue, which you know, we can touch on. We can touch upon in a different episode altogether because that's just the most weirdest thing you've ever heard. But like, I hadn't been a doctor in 10 years. So I didn't have a GP like you do when you're a kid. Yeah. So like, are you guys the same? Like, have you, have you got a GP that you know and knows your history? Yeah, I actually had this conversation with my mum the other day about um, like going to the doctor down here um, yeah. since I've moved to Melbourne, which is probably seven or eight years now. I think I've only been once because I was genuinely mm. unwell. So I don't have a, a like a regular GP. I just booked in wherever I could get in. So no, I don't have that that rapport. And yeah. do you reckon that is a problem, Sean? Like, do you reckon if you do you reckon? This is just hypothetical, but do you reckon if you had an established rapport with a GP that you've been seeing, do you reckon it would have been easier for you to go to someone and say, I'm not doing too well? Do you reckon that's an issue as well? Um, I don't think it would have um, encouraged me to go any earlier. Mm. I just think that maybe mm. the whole process itself might have been a little bit easier and yeah, um, yeah. it would have, wouldn't have been too much back and forth, I think. So um, that's certainly something i would recommend make sure i have a regular gp yeah. and it's I, yeah i've just never like as you said i've since i was a kid i've never had a regular gp i don't go to the doctors that often yeah so i don't yeah. and yeah like molly thought it was weird that i didn't have a regular, <laughs> regular gp i'm like well don't i don't go that often so but now i've yeah. like i've um had to go since moving um closer to the city i guess so I've, um, for other reasons, like I've had to have a few checks and stuff for, for uni placement to tick off. So I've been having some more regular appoint doctor's appointments just for that. So now I've got a bit more of yeah. a regular GP and um, definitely <laughs> makes things easier. Yeah, I think that's a really important point you made there, Rob, is that probably yeah. um, females our age have to go to the doctor regularly for other reasons, whereas males really, like you said, you only go if you're, genuinely unwell so it's uh, yeah. not, it's not right. uncommon that yeah uncommon it's not uncommon to not uh, actually have a gp so um i think that's mm. a really good piece of advice there that if that yeah. is something maybe go and find someone that you have a good rapport with to to start those mm. conversations yeah um, mate, and mate that's it as well is that even if you go get a blood test once a year like up until this point because eventually and that's the thing now we're in our mid-20s when we start getting the wrong side of 30, we have to start going for checkups and stuff. So you may as well just start now and get a good uh, good process in. Uh, but so we might pivot on now, Sean, into I guess what are the acute sort of things that sort of arise day to day when like when you're feeling a bit down or whatever the symptoms are. I'm not really quite sure how to put it or what's appropriate, but Maybe if you can just give us a bit of an insight into what it's like day to day and what the highs look like and the lows, if if that is what you describe it as. Yeah. Um, I guess well, it, it's it's different for everyone, and there's mm. I guess mental illness is always on a 
uh, a spectrum or a continuum. So um, I don't know where I sit on that. I'd like to think I'm um, generally okay, but there's just some some days or some periods where it's um, gets just a bit harder, I guess. So, um, and I, I find it quite hard to articulate how it affects yeah. me, I guess. So um, it can be a little bit complex, but I think the main thing is like, there's no clear trajectory of what's happening or what's going to happen. Like with a phys- if you have like a physical ailment, there's, you have, a, I think you have a decent indication of, the course that it'll take mm. um whereas yeah. i guess with um mental illness that you know can change every day every week it's up and down it's um pretty un- unpredictable um to get a gauge on so um like today for example i'm good um the last week i've been generally pretty good in fact like the last couple of months have actually been um not too bad um but yeah, it, within that, there's always periods of, um, you know, up and down, the, the good and the bad. So um, I guess that's where it gets you as well. Like you, it's a bit of a constant back and forth of like, you think you're okay. okay and then all of a sudden you feel like you're completely incapable of functioning. So mm. um, yeah, it's, as I said, it's hard to get a gauge on, like you feel, or when I, for, for me, um, I feel like less, uh, like I'm less in control, I guess, in a way. Um, yep. Almost like I've got no, yeah, no control over myself or, and like I'm obviously still sane and, and alert. I'm not running off doing anything stupid, but like <laughs> you just feel a bit um, powerless in a way. Um and that, I guess that makes me just want to like curl up in bed and um, not go out much and don't really have the energy to do do many things. So besides like the necessities, I guess. So um, yeah. So you're, you're probably at that end of the scale where you're at the like very um, like down in the dump sort of phase, whereas some people when they've got um, like mental health issues, they might go the opposite and be manic. You're sort of more at that depressive end yeah. I guess yeah yeah so I don't um I don't know much about different mental health disorders I guess or anything like that but um from my understanding of it I guess I don't have anything that's um yeah to, as you said too manic like I've never been suicidal or anything like that um I guess it's just um yeah, just like some really long, like prolonged periods of feeling pretty shit, I guess, for no reason. Um, and I guess mm. like I tend to like, like I'll probably like socially withdraw a bit, with, yeah, withdraw a bit. Um, so like whether that, yeah, like conversations, I don't find that um, particularly easy at the best of times. So um when I'm bad, it probably comes across as a bit rude, but I guess it's almost like self-preservation in a way. Um, yeah. yeah, just making sure I like don't um, don't drain my own batteries in a way, I guess. Um, mm. Yeah, I think another one as well is feeling both physically and mentally fatigued, but without ex- any exertion. Right. Um, okay. And I'm not, yeah, I don't really know why, but it's just like having, and there could be multiple factors at play. Like this is something I've spoken to both GP and psychologists about, like it could be, you know, sleep, diet, other things, but there's probably an element of the mental health stuff that does um, affect that. I guess like mentally it's fatiguing because it's just like there's constantly there's a battle going on. Um, yeah, but um, I guess just, yeah, just even some days, I guess just doing the, the necessities, like um, getting up, making breakfast and plot, plodding around a bit, that can be pretty, pretty tiring, which I know like it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and that's why it's hard to describe. Um, but yeah, they're probably the main, the main ones. 
you sort of mm. want to touch on what what sort of things I guess you do to stay on top of it or what you you've found has sort of worked for you to um, try and mitigate what's happening in terms of that? Any strategies you've got or things that um, you do or that your psychologist might have recommended? Yeah, I um, like the thing, the thing is generally you know what you need to do, but it's a matter of actually doing it and like it makes me feel I guess it makes me feel pretty lazy um it's it's almost a it's a bit of a, a loop or a cycle of um you feel shit so you don't go and do the things that make you feel better and then because you didn't do those things you feel mm. shit again and it's just a bit of a loop um but like exercise is like is probably a big one it's pretty cliche i guess and um obviously a lot of people recommend it and it's probably um without sounding too pessimistic it's not the like it's not a solution it's like you can't just do exercise and you feel better but it might yeah. put i guess the odds in your favor a little bit to maybe lessen lessen your symptoms i guess maybe but like for example the last um Longer it been probably two and a half months, two, two and a half months. I've been trying to get 10,000 steps a day, which that's pretty much going back to when we went back into lockdown. I felt like I needed to just do that to make sure um, I stayed on top of things and um, it just sort of forced me to get outside a bit and go for a walk. And that certainly helped because the more I, um, to sit around all day and or sit in bed i like feel worse after that so mm. um and i guess the competitive competitiveness in me doesn't want to break that streak now so um that's which is good but um i think as well even just like as you um, touching on like the the psychology of it um like you asked demo probably just being easier on myself and more um accepting rather than resisting how I feel. Mm. Like normally I guess I would feel feel shit and sort of be like, why do I feel like this? Like it's so annoying. Like I just want it to to go away. But now it's almost like um instead of fighting it, trying to acknowledge how I feel and then just sort of letting it simmer, do what I need to do to um sort of sit with it or just let it be for a bit and then eventually um, eventually it'll pass, um, which is good. So um, yeah, that's probably like, there's a few other things like um, journaling Rob, which you've got me onto. Um, I'm not very consistent with it, but um, as you've mentioned to me, externalizing your thoughts certainly does help sometimes like um, meditation um, every now and then um, I actually haven't had any alcohol in, four and a half months so um i wouldn't say i had a problem with alcohol but just like whenever i did <laughs> like i wasn't i wasn't getting going on weekend long benders or anything like that but, um <laughs> did have did have a loyalty card this one hotel just quietly but okay <laughs> i guess i just recognized that um when i did drink i felt pretty shit not only physically um, but mentally as well, like that probably at the time of drinking and the next day. So um, thought I'd just back off for a bit. That was probably just before lockdown um, sort of started. Um, and that's been good. I don't, yeah, not something I miss or anything like that. And then I guess, yeah, the other things would be seeing a psychologist. And I've actually uh, just started taking medication in the last week or so so i was pretty um hesitant and resistant to that but after some conversations with a couple of friends that have sort of been through it um figured it might be might be worth giving it a go and there we go were you were you hesitant because you felt there might be a stigma surrounding medication or taking medication for a mental health yeah problem sean is that why yeah, I would say so. I yeah, and I don't know why. I don't really really know where that came mm. from. I 
was trying to think about it and I thought that I had no logical reason not to. I couldn't come up with one. Like there would be yeah. side effects with any medication, which I'm which I'm aware of, but I think the pros probably outweigh the cons. I, you know, the if, if I had a um, you know, a physical ailment, if I had a dodgy heart or yeah. my liver was failing or something like that, I'd be popping pills to get that back in the <laughs> But I think it was more just I thought it was probably like a band-aid approach. And yeah. now that I had tried I guess I had tried some other avenues like the psychologist and just some lifestyle things and it probably still wasn't where I wanted it to be or needed it to be. So I guess that's um, hopefully going to help with that. And so how do you feel now after, now that you're in that process, do you feel like you look back and think it was, it's, you know, that, that stigma probably wasn't warranted or necessary. Is that how you look back on it now that you're in that process? It's not as bad as what you think. Um, yeah, I don't know yet because I probably built it up in my head a fair bit. Um, and as I said, I've only been taking it for about a week. So they reckon that you start to either feel side effects after probably a week or two um, and then it'll actually start to take effect um, a bit longer after that. So probably too early to tell in a way. Um I am still a bit nervous about it, I guess. Uh, just, yep. I guess, not knowing how it's going to work or side effects, um, which I guess, going back to before, that's, I was probably looking for side effects as a reason not to take them. But mm. yep. yeah, probably, probably too early to tell. But um, I think just taking them to begin with and just getting over that first little hurdle, um, not, as, not as hard as I thought it would be. Yeah, I think just from experience with a few people close to me with it, it's sort of, it can take a little bit just to get the dosages right of those yeah. particular medications. And sometimes it does take a couple of sort of cycles to get it just right for you. And um, a lot of people, what actually tends to happen is that you slowly like wean yourself off it or down to very low doses. So um but yeah like you said with the the side effects it normally sort of takes a few weeks to kick in um and sort of take effect so hopefully um it's not too bad for you shawnee fingers crossed so shawnee you sort of we, we've touched on it a couple of times about like the stigma that, that stigma like you may have had a stigma why you didn't really want to take medication because of what you thought that might mean and some of the other stigma surrounding mental health why do you think that when you were dealing with it on your own, why did it not improve? Why, I don't want to say it didn't work, but why do you think it didn't improve to the level that you wanted it to? Um, I think, as I said, it's sort of internalising things as always and not sharing things as something I've always done, even as a kid, despite um, mum's continuous encouragement. I was pretty stubborn and probably didn't want to talk, talk about how I was feeling and, if something was bothering me. Um, but I guess in a way as well, I probably felt like a bit of a fraud in a way or that I wasn't worthy. I don't know, worthy is not the right word, but like of mental health struggles because I'd had a good upbringing. I hadn't had any significant trauma that I had to deal with. Um, yeah. And... I guess I probably just needed someone to tell me that it doesn't matter that that's the case or those are your circumstances. Like it can still affect, affect anyone as we've, as we've heard so often. So um, yeah, I guess it was just frustrating to me trying to work out why I was feeling that way. Um, despite seeing, you know, I, kn I knew that other people, had you know bad days and they seemingly got on with it and um obviously i know that you know looking at social media that it is a highlight reel but i guess sometimes you take it as at face value and um that can be a little discouraging as well because you're thinking that you know these people are doing all those things why do i feel yep. this way um you know as i as i mentioned i wasn't suicidal so i didn't think that it was oh it mustn't be that bad um but yeah i guess 
those were all the, the sort of thoughts that was going through my head. And if I had of, I think if I had of spoken to someone earlier, I would have been able to sort of rationalize it a bit more and being told that, hey, that actually doesn't matter. Like it can mm. still can still um, affect people in different ways and despite different circumstances. So I think that's a great point about it perhaps being a bit the extreme side of things being what gets portrayed in the media or what our perceptions are of mental health. But um, it can be like the little things as well. Like you said, it doesn't really discriminate based on your lifestyle or upbringing, you know, the rich, the poor, um, it sort of affects everyone. So um, it's a good point you make there. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I guess, I think we've come a long way in um, mental health advocacy and um, the awareness of it. And I, if I'm honest, I don't think there's really much of a mental health stigma anymore. Mm. But what I've heard, I've heard someone call it like a, it's like a self stigma in a way that everyone's pretty comfortable um, advocating for mental health and mental well-being and um, checking in on their mates and doing all that sort of thing. But when it actually comes to themselves, they're probably mm. not good enough at putting their hand up and 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 saying look I, I need a bit of help or i'm actually not okay and i think that snowballs in a way because then when you when you reach out to someone and when you talk to someone you get that uh kind of like that objective view in a way like when you when, mm. when you're trying to think about your own problems you don't think about it rationally or objectively um, so I guess that having the point of view or having someone else to, to give you some, some thoughts or ideas, um, without, you know, without skin in the game that, um, that can be, can be beneficial as well. So that's what I would certainly advocate for, like, despite, and it's tough because I think everyone knows that, and the, the message clearly is if you're struggling, reach out and talk to someone. But, um, and I don't know the answer to it and I don't know why people still don't. I don't know why I didn't, but um, I cannot encourage it enough that it will get the ball rolling and get things, get things uh, feeling better. So That's awesome. Man. That's really, that's really, really good to hear. And it's a great message to everyone. And, I guess so we've just spoken about then why it probably didn't work on when you're just trying to handle it by yourself and you've made some good points there about you know not having objectivity with your own thoughts. I guess then that extends that what were the benefits that you saw or have seen from seeing uh, a psychologist or and getting that professional help? I'm probably more aware of my thoughts. So I guess what I'm feeling and why I might be feeling that so I guess I spoke about before that when I was feeling pretty down or pretty shit I'd um, sort of try and fight it off but now I try to step back a little bit and think you know what's happened for me to be feeling this way and sometimes I don't have an answer and I've sort of learnt that that's also okay as opposed to mm -hmm. thinking well I've got no reason to be upset or down and just fighting it and that I guess that makes it worse so um yeah and it's probably not something that i do consciously i think at the start it was something i had to do but i think over over time it sort of just yeah becomes more of a default response in a way that you can um step back a bit and sort of think that sort of challenge your thoughts as well like i was a um a term that I'd never heard before, but I've been I've been pegged a catastrophizer. So I whatever whatever will go wrong, whatever I think might go wrong will go wrong. And it's always the worst possible outcome. So um challenging those those thoughts is um and sort of weighing up the information whether I've actually made a accurate judgment or not. Um, 
as well. So, um, yeah, they're probably the main things. And as I sort of touched on before, like having a bit more compassion for myself and um, acceptance that this is something that I've got to deal with, I guess. Um, so I, yeah, like I haven't, I guess it was sort of explained to me that like you haven't done anything wrong. Like you haven't, mm. you haven't made mistakes along the way that's ended up like for you to end up here. And then might not have been anything you could have done. Like for, there's obviously a multitude of reasons why people struggle with their mental health. Um, and for some people, there's, there's no, there's no significant reason. So I guess, yeah, they're probably the, the main things. And I honestly could not recommend um, seeing a, a psychologist more. So I'd recommend it to everyone. I unfortunately don't think the system's set up for, for everyone to, to see one, one based on resources and two based on cost. But um, regardless of whether you struggle with your mental health or not, um, I think they are very, very beneficial. That's probably a good um, point to move on from there, Sean, that um, so if you don't necessarily have access to a psychologist or maybe it's not something that you're going to do, what is something that um, something that people you know can do to sort of help um, people with mental health? Yeah, it's a issues. good one. It's a good good question, Damo. And we've obviously had a, as we touched on at the top of, are you okay day recently? Um, which uh, I have some, some thoughts about, but I think overall it's a very good message. Um, but I think as a, as a friend or a loved one or a family member or work, workmate, whatever, whatever it is, um, I think you just need to be there consistently. So I guess letting the other person know that, hey, if you are struggling, um, well, not even struggling, just if you need a chat, um, I'm here. And then if it is, um, if it is a person that you, you know does have um, mental health struggles, it could just be um, making sure you like set up set up a like a, a time or a place to constantly check in and have that. Um, mm accountability i guess but it's very it's very tough and trying to have those conversations with someone that is struggling it's that's why the psychologists are the experts and they're you know the experts for a reason they obviously do a lot of study and um and training and i think that when someone is struggling and and might admit to you or reach out to you that, hey, I'm actually not doing okay. I think a lot of the time, and this is certainly a mistake I've made in the past and probably still do sometimes, is trying to problem solve and, and provide solutions for them. But I think a lot of the time someone just needs someone to listen to them and um, you know be supportive and someone to validate their feelings in a way and say, Hey, that's a pretty, sh pretty shitty circumstance. Like, I hope you're doing okay. It's hard because like we're not well versed enough in providing the solutions as much as we may want to. Mm. So um, there's actually a really good uh, resource on the Movember website. Um, just it's just called Movember Conversations, I think, um, and it just gives it like a few different scenarios um, about how to sort of approach those conversations, and um, obviously it's it's scripted, so like it's only going to go so far, but it can give you sort of I guess a rough idea of maybe how to how to approach those conversations, or um, once you find yourself in the conversation, how to navigate it. Um, in a way so you can get sort of the, the best outcomes. So um, yeah, I guess just uh, to, to cut a long story short, just make sure you're um, supportive, supportive, listen without judgment and just do it, try and be there consistently. 
yeah, I think that's a great point you make um, about making yourself accountable at the start there, Sean, where you set a time or a date or a location because often people with mental health issues are quite anxious um, yeah. as well and um, not being able to set in a time or a location or a mode of communications often uh, an additional cause of their stresses. Um, so I think that's an excellent point to just make sure that it's consistent, it's known so that they can sort of prepare for the situation as well if they're not having the best day um, when you are doing that. Yeah, like if you ambush isn't the right word but if you ambush someone and be like what's going on what's wrong like um i know for me i'd probably shut down pretty quickly um and not want to probably open up so Mm. um and it could just be like something uh, like they might have mentioned in the past that they were struggling with it could be work it could be you know paying the bills family relationships whatever and you could just ask how that's going um and that could you know be the be the opening to sort of open up a little bit more as opposed to just straight out asking, hey, you know, are you okay? How's your mental health? That sort of thing. So um, one thing I actually wanted to touch on was I think that we can do or anyone can do all the checking in in the world, but ultimately at the end of the day, um, the other person needs to be comfortable enough to, to open up. I guess it could be just, it could be the wrong person. It could just not be the right environment. Um, it could just be how they're feeling at the time. Like, for example, um, something that I've been, like for me that I've been dealing with for uh, over three, three years now where it's probably been um, noticeable and it's something that I only let the two of you in on, what was it, a couple of weeks ago? So um, yeah. that's not, and I don't want, I don't want you guys to take that personally. It's not a slight on either of you. Um, you know, literally only a handful of people knew. Mum only, something I spoke to her about probably six months ago. So um, if you're, if you're just there for someone consistently, I think, and just asking the right questions and making it known that you're there, that I think eventually um, they will open up. And like we've had, we've had conversations before the two of like the, the three of us that, um, you know, we're finding certain things difficult or whether it be work or relationships or um, family, anything like that. But yeah, as I said, it's probably not something that I probably, um, and I don't know why, maybe to protect myself a little bit. I, I honestly don't really have the answer to it, but um, yeah, sometimes it's just wasn't really something I was prepared to uh, open up about to, to anyone and everyone. And it's nothing, nothing personal. I hope you boys didn't take it personally, but where I'm at now and sort of being more accepting of it has made me feel more open to talk about it. Yeah, the thousands and millions of listeners on the Triax channels are now across it too, Shawnee. So there might be there might be an influx of uh, of messages and um, calls, but no, nah, that's yeah, no no offense taken. Knowing people are in the same position, like I guess we were probably doing it without really realizing we were doing it anyway in our conversations that we have quite regularly. Um, obviously, we did quite a bit of face to face work together and would yeah. sort of check in on each other once a week about how things were going without knowing, you know, what's going on uh, individually and then sort of on our group chat and that as well. So um, I guess I appreciate that you're comfortable enough to speak about it with us and bring it up with us as well. Um, it's it's up to you when you feel ready to do that. I mean, if you only told your mum six months ago, it's actually quite nice to be included in that not too long afterwards. So. Yeah, and I definitely appreciate having both of you boys to sort of um, bounce our our thoughts off and our struggles off. And I think we've all, all three of us have been a pretty open book um, most of the time. So it's definitely good. I think um, having, I think just having mates that work in the same sort of field as well, like we're obviously 
mates because of those interests, but we're also, mm. I think, just genuinely mates. So um, being able to talk about those sort of things with, with the two of you um, and getting your insights certainly helps. And I appreciate having um, yeah, both your insights on so many different things. So as, as you sort of mentioned, Damo, you, you guys probably didn't realise how helpful you were being, but yeah, you both were. Um, both were very helpful. Um, just knowing that you guys were there when I needed to chat about things. So I appreciate it. Sean, you've been absolutely sensational today and you've been upfront and honest. And I've personally got a lot out of it myself. I know Damo probably has, and I'm sure a lot of people out there as well. So first, it's credit to you, mate, for, you know, for really putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable. So well done to you. Is there anything you... Like you'd like to leave, I guess, people with in terms of some of the steps that they can maybe take from here on in to improve their mental health and make it a priority? Yeah, so I think, um, and I'll go through a few steps in a second, but I think another one um, is to make it like, as you just said there, Rob, make your mental health a priority. And and this is for like an individual and and those supporting them as well. But be supportive of uh, proactive behaviours, I guess, rather than being reactive and waiting for things to blow up or boil over. So um, I guess at an individual level, if, and this is certainly something I've um, improved on, I think, like if I've got a lengthy um, to-do list, but... I know that it would be more beneficial to leave it for half a day or a day than I think I'm more, I've gotten better at doing that. And I think that go, that extends to, to, um, to friends or, or family members or um, even employers um, to support those proactive behaviors that if someone turns around and says, and they might not give you the reason that, that they're struggling, but if someone says, um, that oh, I need a I need a day off work or I need some time time off however long that might be or I don't want to come to a certain event or I just want to stay home that sort of thing I guess be supportive of that and give give the benefit of the doubt I guess because um, I think the the pressure to to keep fulfilling those expectations um, sort of compounds the problem. I saw like I saw a good picture the other day. It was like, um, like the the fuel tank dial, and it's like when when we should take a break, and it was when it was sort of half full, and um, when we and then comparison to when we actually take a break and when when the tank's empty. So, um, I think just yeah, don't, and it's it's not a perfect science. You're not always going to get it right, but um, trying to recognize that you don't want to don't want to empty the tank. Uh, that's, mate, that's, a, that's absolutely sensational. It's something anyone can probably take something out of as well. Like we've got a lot of projects on the go and pretty, uh, it's pretty easy to have a bit of a narrow focus and then just grind yourself into the ground. Yeah. It's not sustainable, is it? No. So, so yeah, as, as I mentioned, I want to, I want to give a bit of a um, step-by-step on how to, how to reach out and get some help. So um, it's not an exhaustive list. This is just, I guess, what works for me and, and my circumstances. So um, number one would be don't go it alone. Let someone know that you're, you're struggling. This could be a um, family member, friend, a uh, mentor. As I said, it could be one of us or me. You know, our, our messages or our inboxes are always open. Um, and I think that just holds you accountable. Um, so, um, you could ask them to come with you. They could, you could ask them to, to drive you to appointments or to the doctors because you know, you won't do it yourself. And I know that, um, if you ask them that they would be more than happy to, to do that. So, um, so yeah, from there, uh, book in an appointment with your GP. We touched on having a regular GP before. If you don't have one. Um, and this is something I did the second time. If you search on the clinic websites, there's generally a list of the practitioners now and you can, and they have a description of, I guess, their interests or specialties. 
and some of them will have mental health listed as that. So um, if you don't have a, a, a regular GP that um, you have a rapport with, I would strongly suggest doing that because I think that helps. Um, the, the GP appointment, uh, ask for a mental, it's called a mental health plan. Um, and that will essentially just be, they give you like a questionnaire to fill out and that just assesses, I guess, where you're at. Can't remember the name of it. Um, and then from there, um, if, if suitable, I guess, you'll be entitled to a uh, Medicare rebate on, I think, six sessions. It may have changed because of COVID, but I think the six sessions is still in place. And then once those six sessions are up, that's when you go back to the GP, do the questionnaire again, and then you get the, the extra sessions, which I think has gone up to 20, but I could be, could be wrong. I haven't done a lot of research on it. Um, so yeah, you'll get the referral, um, get the referral to a psychologist. What I did, um, based on, I guess, not a mistake I made, but a, a learning or something I learned from the first time is I asked for a list of, um, psychologists that they would recommend or that, that they generally refer to and, this way, I thought that by having a list, if I called the first one and there was a long waiting time, I could go to the next one and then the next one if I needed to. Um, and as well, you're, you're also not limited to who you're referred to. So you can actually do your own um, research, I guess, and try and find someone that you think might be, might be beneficial um, for you, I guess, at the moment, it's um, there's a bit of a logjam with the the increased demand, so there probably will be a little bit of a waiting time. But um, generally, you can ask to be put on a waiting list. I think so. Like if um, if a, if an appointment is cancelled, um, they can so say say they don't have an availability for for two months, but an appointment is cancelled in two weeks. They might call you and say, "Hey, we've had an opening." Um, and that's actually how I got my first appointment. I called and um, they said they'd had a cancellation. There was an appointment the next day. So that um, worked in my favour, which was, which was good looking back. Um, so, yeah, I think you just have to be pretty relentless about it. It can be bloody tough and overwhelming and exhausting putting yourself out there um, admitting that you need help. Um, and then when you do get knocked back from, from these clinics saying that they're not taking on new patients or there are long waiting times, um, it can be, yeah, pretty, um, pretty tough, but you, and I think that's where having someone to, to keep you accountable as well can, can certainly help. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, seeing a psychologist couldn't, could not recommend it anymore. Um, if you do need more immediate help, there are um, like the phone lines that you can reach out to like um, Lifeline and Beyond Blue and they even have like text message services now. So there are a multitude of them and we'll leave them in the um, podcast show notes um, if, you want, if you need to access them. But yeah, that's how, that's how I went about it and how I, I guess, would recommend to go about it. Well, mate, I think we might wrap it up there. I think you've, um, mate, you've covered a lot and you've been honest and vulnerable and um, you know, quite commendable in, in what you've talked about today. And it's not easy and it takes a lot of guts to do what you've done. And first of all, we thank you for doing that because it's, hopefully it's, it's helped someone out there take the steps that they need to take to improve their mental health and quality of life, which is of the utmost importance. So thanks to you, mate, for doing that. It's, um, really appreciate it. No worries, boys. As I said on the top, I, I hope that, um, yeah, if, even if no one gets any benefit, benefit out of this, which I certainly hope that someone does and it might spur on a conversation somewhere that, um, yeah, it's just something I want to be more open and honest about rather than, than keeping it this, this big bad secret. So um, I appreciate you both 
both listening and your <clears throat> your questions and your comments and just your overall support as well. Fantastic awesome. stuff, Shawnee. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Pre- appreciate it, Shawnee. Proud of you, mate. So that's uh, that's about it. That's all we've got time for today on the uh, on the Dickheads podcast. And thanks for tuning in. And, and as Sean said, that we'll have plenty of information in the uh, show notes and the description as well to to look at. And hopefully, you can you know, get the ball rolling on mental health or check in with someone and start a good process in improving your mental health. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time from the Dickheads podcast. <laughs>